Blog Talk Radio. Talk Radio. It is Thursday, January the 17th. Welcome back to the program. If you are listening in live, we appreciate you uh, being part of the, the show today, and feel free to call in at 347-945-7891. That's 347-945-7891. You can also participate via the chat forum, and the chat room is uh, on the live program if you go to Blog Talk Radio, which you must be on right now to be listening. And if you're listening to the uh, recorded program, uh, welcome to the show. And uh, once again, thanks for participating and being part of the program. Uh, This segment today is a continuation from last week's program, which was about negativity. And a listener wrote in, pardon me, with a follow-up uh, question to the to last week's program regarding how we get triggered or we, we find ourselves in this kind of ready state to be triggered by other people and, and getting swept up in judgmental thinking and, and reactivity with other people. It's a great question and it's one of the most difficult conundrums we have in terms of relating to other people and it's one that can be very uh, a habit that's very difficult to shake because it is so deeply entrenched as a, as a habit into our conditioning or as the result of our conditioning. So we're going to explore that a little bit today in, in, uh, in the program and uh, have a look at how that kind of negative ground, you know, sort of uh, manifests itself in, in judgment of other people. So let's look at this problem. First of all, just to recap from last week, the perspective that we took was uh, informed by the Tibetan Buddhist teacher Chogyam Trungpa. And I I related some uh, commentary from his book, The Myth of Freedom, in a chapter called Working with Negativity, where he talks about negativity not necessarily being a bad thing per se. And this is very important because... He, this again, kind of a paradox, but he describes the meaning that we lay upon negativity, for example, as an experience, as creating negative negativity. That negativity itself is just an energy. It's just uh, an electric charge is the way, the metaphor that I use. And so if we look at negativity like electricity, when you get a static electric shock or when you... Um, touch something that's not properly grounded electrically. Uh, you know, you get that shock, and it's, it's, it's shocking, literally. I mean, that term shocking comes from that, you know, uh, or it at least has that connotation. But in that moment where we get that little negative charge and we feel that spark of static electricity or AC electricity, 
in that moment, you know, as disturbed as you are, you don't say, well, electricity is horrible. I hate electricity. Maybe you do. I don't know. <laughs> you find yourself getting shocked a lot. Uh, but it's there, and it's something that's useful, and it's something that we mostly rely upon in, in you know, um, industrialized societies. And the problem is that, you know, there's, you know, we're walking along the carpet with our socks, and we forget to discharge, you know, before we go and touch the light switch, or um, maybe the wiring's faulty in an electronic device, or in the, in the house wiring, or whatever it might be. And so... Um, we have this reaction, and that, again, is just something that leads us to pay attention. Pay attention uh, wakes us up when we have a static charge, or if there's faulty wiring, then it wakes us up to the fact that this is dangerous and it's something we need to pay attention to. And, you know, electricity is commonplace in our household, in our lives, and, again, it's something that has great utility, but when it... uh, when it erupts in that way, um, it can be lethal. And so we can kind of look at the background of our personal conditioning, what we're carrying around, because really we cannot be triggered unless there's something embedded within us that that is ready to be poked, like an angry bear or an angry dog. And so, you know, our mind is, is and our subjective experience in the world, are, are, because we are experiential beings, it is like that electrical field. So negativity is just part of the balance. And just, you know, like positive negative charge, it's just uh, like the teaching in um in the sutras in Buddhism that that say, you know, uh, form is emptiness, emptiness is form. Or people may be more familiar with the popular symbols uh from from Taoism with the yin yang symbol, the light and the dark balance each other out. So the, the, our reactivity, our negative negativity is what is tripping us up. So let's have a look at that. And the, the listener that uh, hopefully is listening in today, and or if not afterwards, uh, I want to directly appeal to their concern. So here we are going about our life, and we think we're quite well adjusted. And somebody comes along and really trips us up. I mean, they, they, they evoke this really uh, judgmental um, kind of, um, I'm searching for a word here. Um, uh, I can't quite find the word right now. Um, You know, there's a sense of outrage, Um, you know, that we're offended by this person. Indignant, that's the word I was looking for. There's sort of an indignant response. And certainly people's behavior can upset us and et cetera, et cetera. But the, the idea of taking something personally is very interesting. So really what's happening there is the reactivity of the ego. There has to be some investment in feeling personally affronted by someone else's existence, really. And that is the ego. Now, we need an ego. Ego is just describing an aspect of mind. It was, it's, it's, it's a characteristic of consciousness that was, uh, the term was coined by Sigmund Freud as part of an understanding of the structure of consciousness as you will, sort of organizing how we subjectively experience the world. And so ego is, is sort of the identity. It's the, it's the quote-unquote I. That, uh, um, and so that I identity can get very um, 
personally affronted by other people's um, behavior. And, but we need this identity to, to move through the world. Otherwise, we wouldn't be able to function. We need to be able to recognize when someone's addressed by name. We need to be able to um, have a personality and function in, in, a, you know, in a personal way in the world. So the problem is not necessarily the ego should be completely annihilated. And in fact, this is sort of the basis for you know, how we get... Um, triggered is that a very primal fear is that we don't exist because the ego is really a, is it can't really we can't point to the ego in the brain and say there it is and we cannot um, control our mortality or our existence we're not going to be able to you know prevent ourselves from dying or getting sick and we're not going to be able to prevent other people from dying or getting sick and we really don't have control. And so there's this very uncomfortable, edgy quality to existence, which can really wind itself up. And so this is sort of the basis of how the ego um, structure can, can be like this unsocialized dog, for example. I mean, I have a rescue dog and he is very reactive. And part of the problem is he wasn't socialized when he was um, you know, prior to the age of two when they're imprinting, so to speak. They're, they're, they're modeling the behavior of the pack leader and they're being introduced to social situations and learning that certain things are okay and certain things are not okay and, and to adjust and to just be able to make choices. Well, human beings are not that different. So we can be exposed to trauma. We can be uh, conditioned in a way that we uh, doubt our existence. We doubt uh, the, the right to our existence. We can um, be operating from poor self-worth, et cetera, et cetera. And so something about the nature of other people's being <laughs> or their behavior, or their personality traits may set us off. <clears throat> and it could be anything at all. It could be, you know, their, their, the smell of their body to their breath to the mannerisms. And, and this all goes to associations, how we, what we associate that reactive trigger with. It could be something that happened in our childhood. It could be some kind of pet peeve. But again, there is a sense of arrested development there, if you will, in, in, in the sense of that we're still caught in that polarized split thinking of childhood uh, where we don't have the complex ability to recognize that other people are other people and I'm myself and that's okay and I know the immediate people around me and I have a place in the world. And so if that kind of arrested development uh, in terms of our psychological and personal development is intact um, or we're operating from that, then um, in extreme cases of that, you have things like personality disorders where people are reacting to micro expressions in other people's uh, faces. And they've done studies where they've looked at frame by frame um, photographs of an individual as a, as a study subject and people with personality disorders are detecting micro expressions of discontent and anger in those images that may take another 10 frames for the average person to visibly see that there's a, a change in um, in mood of the uh, of the subject of the photograph so they're highly attuned and in fact there's some really fascinating research now about autistics that previously uh, it was thought that autistics cannot handle 
social interaction and become overwhelmed. But in fact, there's a theory now emerging that autistics are highly attuned, in fact, over-empathetic, that they walk into a room and are too attuned to the, to the mood or the expression of other people and can't cope. They're overwhelmed with all that input. So in terms of our reactivity, there is that um, defensiveness of the ego that says something about this interaction or something about this person is jarring me. And really what it is is, is the insecurity of that ego to build itself up. And so this caller was asking, well, why do we engage with this judgment if we know it's, you know, kind of poisonous and we know it's, it's uh, maybe even immature in a way? Is it because it builds us up? Well, in a way, that's true. I mean, this sort of childhood thinking, you could look at as sort of a spiritual immaturity. And so we are operating from a brain and from a spiritual or from a, let's say, psychological immaturity that um, from a some some zero equation kind of thing that if one goes up, the other goes down. So if I feel superior to other people, then, uh, and, and I'm dismissive and judgmental of other people, somehow that smugness is a temporary boost. And it's true. And we know that physiologically you get a little bit of a hit when you have that kind of um, righteous indignation and, and it gives you an energy boost, you know, it's, it, but it's a temporary hit. And really what's going on is that we have been, triggered. And when we're triggered, we're upset with ourselves. And so what may initially be a charge of excitement to feel justified in our negative negativity towards someone else is really um, uh, undoes us because it it is triggering our own self-loathing that we've been triggered. And so the idea is how do we counteract that? We make space. We recognize, we try and catch in the most subtle ways at the earliest moments of detection when that's arising and we claim responsibility for that and recognize that's us there's something in us and i'm not talking about the people that are unpleasant you don't want to be around that's fine that's your choice but when it becomes generalized in that way and you find yourself being negative and judgmental in a very broad way then it helps to really take responsibility and say you know this is my relationship to myself and rather than prop up this sense of superiority to take a sort of uh, sympathetic approach towards ourselves, a kind of um, easing of that tightening up and shutting down and recognize it doesn't serve us. One of the expressions I love from the from Buddhist teaching is uh, anger towards another person is like swallowing poison and expecting the other person to die. I just love that teaching because it really shows how self-destructive those tendencies are. Well, that's it for our show. I hope you enjoyed it. It is brief, and uh, we'll see you next time on The Mind Whisperer.